when you never place an emphasis, nothing gets emphasized. When you place an emphasis on everything, nothing gets emphasized. And so I've been seeking the Lord and trying to find out what he would have for us to place an emphasis on uh, this year. And I want you to know that he keeps leading me back to this idea of the inner life, of the heart, of our spiritual health, of the state of our souls. We talked a little bit about it this morning, and we're going to go over some of the things later on during the service. We handed out a little schedule of what's coming up this year, and we've got more of them up here, and we'll hand them out later on in the service. But before we do that, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that has been at, uh, pun intended, the heart of all of this with me. And uh, first of all, I'd like to tell you about a story from junior church. How many of you know that little boys can be a little gross? How many of you know that little boys can be, they, they can be, they can be gross from time to time? How many of you young ladies know that boys can be gross from time to time? You ever, yeah? All right. Well, here's what I did. I wanted to teach on this passage in junior church, and this was, this was a while ago, but I got, I got a Vitamix out, which if you're not familiar with what a Vitamix is, it's, it's like what a blender hopes to be when it grows up. And so we were going to make two different smoothies in there with the help of the young people. One of them was going to be a delicious smoothie, and we had all sorts of healthy things to put in it. We had strawberries and bananas and yogurt and all the good stuff that you'd want in a smoothie. And then on the other side of the table, I had uh, rainwater, I had potting soil, I had worms, and I even had a young person blow their nose into a Kleenex. And we put it in there. And we made the delicious smoothie, and I said, how many of you want to drink this smoothie? And all of the kids' hands go up, and they are so excited to drink the good smoothie. And they get a chance to do so. And I say, boys and girls, why did this turn out so good? Why does it taste good? And they said, and thankfully, they got the idea of the illustration because you put good things in. And so good things came out. And then came the nasty one. And there were, I think I had like old lunch meat and all sorts of terrible things in there. And I asked, now who wants to drink this one? And wouldn't you know it, there's always one boy who will raise their hand and be like, I'll drink it, I'll drink it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to hear from your parents if I let you drink this. You don't get to do it, especially after somebody blew their nose in it. But the same truth was this. You put nasty things in, and so nasty things came out. Whatever goes in will eventually work its way back out. This year, as we focus on the inner life, we're going to talk about more than just our bodies, but our inner life. Your inner life really is your Christian life. Your inner life really is your Christian life. What you and I do here on Sundays is like an attaboy. It's an encouragement. It's to keep on going. But this is not our Christian life. Just the time when we are here in this building, it is what we do day in and day out. Monday throughout the whole day, Tuesday throughout the whole day, and so on throughout the week. And if our inner life is the foundation of everything that we do, that we say and do, then what kind of difference does it make when we start to focus on that? Does it make any difference? Can we do anything about the state of our soul? Or is it just something some people have a healthy soul and other people don't? You know, there's some people that are, it seems like they're born athletic. And then other people, they're they're not born athletic, right? I can see that among my own family members, my kids versus some of their cousins. And some of them are very athletic and, and some of them not so much. You say, is that what it's like with our soul? And the answer to that is thankfully no. The health of your soul can grow and it has no limits based on what you were born with. But if we don't look at the health of our souls, what consequence do we face? Well, in this passage, Jesus is preaching a powerful sermon. We're in Luke chapter 6, and he uses a common illustration about gardening and orcharding that most of the people that were listening to him, and he had a crowd listening to him, they would have immediately understood it. But for you and I, it may be a little more foreign. And we took a sneak preview of this at our Rainbow Fellowship Luncheon on Thursday. So for those of you that were there with me, you got a little, uh, you got a little early taste of it. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 43, the word of God says this. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. 
A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would bless your word, that you would send it forth to accomplish exactly what it needs to do in our hearts. I pray that you'd minister to those who are joining us by means of technology, those of us that are here, those of us that will listen to this in the future. I pray that you would help us to be present in this moment, to get from you exactly what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is in his earthly life and ministry, traveling, preaching, teaching, and a large crowd is gathered, and he's preaching this idea, talking about trees and fruit. Now, how many of you have trees in your yard that actually grow fruit that you would want to eat? I'm not talking about your crabapple trees. We had those growing up. But some of you, how many of you have trees that you want to eat the fruit of? Well, if they produced, right? <laughs> we, we have apple trees. We have cherry trees. Oh, cherry tree, singular. We have a couple of filbert trees in our yard, which are hazelnuts. Um, we have had pears and peaches and things like that in the past, and, and they've never done very well. But our apple trees sure produce, and we're thankful for that. And you know what? One year, we had something very nice done. One of our family members got a professional to come out and to help us do all the stuff that a tree needs done to it, to protect it from the insects, to spray this and that, to make sure that the fruit came forth. And that was by far the best fruit we had ever gotten from those trees. Usually, these are like applesauce trees, right? No one wants to grab these apples and eat them. They're not particularly big. They've got some blemishes on them. They don't look like what you get out of the, the supermarket. But that year, it was fantastic. And the answer was, they were the, the reason was, they were the healthiest they had ever been. They were the healthiest they had ever been. So consider that idea when we talk in verse 43. It says, for a good tree... A healthy tree. What makes a tree healthy? Well, for a tree to be healthy, it needs a few things. Let, tell, tell me, what does a tree need to be healthy? Somebody help me out. Water. Chesney? Good soil. Yep, what else? So, sorry? Nutrients. Sunshine. And the right amount of sunshine. Yes. Rain. Very good. These are the things that a tree needs in order to grow and be healthy. If it has the good stuff coming in, you can expect it to be healthy. Now, I have some trees in my yard and they don't produce. They don't produce much. My blueberries are sad. You know how old my blueberry bushes are? They're like seven years old and they don't produce very well. And every year I hope that they'll be better. You know what it is? I've just come to the place to realize that they're not getting what they need. Either when we amend the soil, it's not enough, or they're on the wrong side of the house and getting the wrong kind of sun, or they're not getting enough water. Something is wrong there. And so they don't produce good fruit. They don't produce good fruit. Here it's saying a good tree, a healthy tree, bringeth forth, not forth, corrupt fruit. What's corrupt fruit? Well, it's rotten. Rotten fruit doesn't come from healthy trees. Healthy fruit comes from healthy trees. And if you flip that around, neither does a corrupt tree, a rotten tree, produce healthy fruit. Now, sometimes it's hard to tell whether a tree is healthy or not. Uh, we were talking about this, and, and uh, Ed, who has perhaps the most experience with trees in our congregation because of his work and because of his interest in orcharding and gardening, told me about how he's seen trees that looked healthy, but they fell right over when a storm came because the roots were just destroyed at the bottom of it. It was still green, it looked like it might have been okay, but it most certainly wasn't. How many of you have ever seen something like that happen? Or did you have a tree maybe break in a storm and maybe it split in half and you could see all the way down it was rotten, but you didn't know it? Well, the rotten trees are never going to produce good fruit. And the healthy trees are never going to produce rotten fruit because what's healthy produces healthy things. What's on the outside and what's on the inside will eventually match what's on the outside and what's on the inside. And so Jesus isn't just talking about trees here. He's also talking about people. Verse 44 says, for every tree is known by his fruit. Do you want to know if a tree is healthy? Look at its fruit. You want to know if a tree is rotten? Look at its fruit. I can't see the inside of a tree without cutting it, right? And generally that's not good for trees. If you cut it open to look at it, you've probably killed it or at least endangered it. Well, so how do we know? 
And in verse 45, it tells us that we're not just talking about trees, we're talking about people. So how do you know if a person is doing well on the inside? Well, you're going to know because of what comes out from them. What do they produce? What fruit comes out of their life? People can look good, but if the fruit doesn't match, something's wrong on the inside. Something is wrong on the inside. And as we've seen in Scripture, and we'll look at it this year, there have been people, even some of the heroes of our faith, that had something rotten on the inside, and they pretended like they were okay until everything came to light. I think about King David. And King David did something that was very wicked, and we'll look more in his life. In, but what he did was he saw a beautiful woman and wanted to have her for his own. But she was already married. And he didn't like being told no. And so he took something that wasn't his. And to try and cover it up, he lied and eventually had a man killed. Well, nobody knew that other than the commander of his army. And he made himself look like a good guy by taking this poor widow whose husband died, and he was the cause of it, took this poor widow in and made her his own so that now he would take care. What a great guy David is. And for almost a year, he played the role of a good guy. But do you know what happened? Nathan, the man of God, the prophet, came before him and in front of everybody called out his sin. And he was caught. And there was great cause for the enemies of God to mock the Lord and his people. Much damage was taken to God's name because of it. You say, what happened? What happened there? I want you to know before he ever did anything wrong on the outside, something was rotten on the inside. He wasn't where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. He looked at things he ought not to have. He let his mind go where it ought not be. And something was wrong on the inside and it worked its way on the outside. So we can tell what's going on by the fruit. It says in verse 44 again, For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Now imagine ourselves in the Bible lands. Figs would be a good fruit that you would want to eat. The same thing, grapes would be something that you would want. Any of you eat figs? How many of you eat figs? A few people eat figs. My favorite kind of figs are in Newtons, right? I used to eat those, and I'm pretty sure, you know how they came in sleeves? That's the serving size for me, like the whole sleeve. As a kid, I loved those things. I'm not really sure even what a normal fig looks like that's not wrapped in that cookie or cake or whatever it was, right? But when you would go to a fig, find figs, where would you look for it? A fig tree. You would go to a fig tree. You're not going to go to a thorn bush. You're not going to go someplace where you don't expect to find it. The same thing, bramble bushes. And those of you that have been out in the woods and, and even hunting in places and you're walking through the woods and they're ripping up your, your pants and you're trying to get somewhere and you, you actually have to stop and back up and go a different way because it's so thick, you're not expecting to find grapes there. Why? Because that's not the right kind of plant to produce those things. And so we're not, we should not look to find good things from rotten or the wrong kind of plant, the wrong kind of tree. In verse 45, Jesus reveals that he's not just giving gardening advice. He says, verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. Ah, now we see what he's getting at. So here's a man and he's a good man. What does that mean? A good man consistently, habitually does that which pleases the Lord. He does the things that are moral and good and upright, and he has a reputation for it, and people know that is a good man. He's not a perfect man, but he's a man who is doing right. And he says that that good man brings forth out of his heart good things because there's good things in his heart. The good things that come out of a good man's life come from the treasure, the, the hidden valuable things in his heart. That's how he ends up bringing forth good and then we're told about the other man. The other man here is the evil man. Out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. In other words, here's a man who's known for doing wrong. He has a reputation of being wicked. Habitually, he does the wrong thing. He's deceitful, he's lying, he's manipulative, he steals. There's just something wrong, and he's always trouble. And you say, why does he keep doing these wicked things? And the answer is, because of what's in his heart. 
Why does the good man do good things? Because of what's in his heart. Why does the evil man do evil things? Because of what's in his heart. The very end of verse 45 says this, for of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Whatever is gathered up on the inside will eventually work its way out. And there is no way to stop that. It is a biblical truth. And I know that we have all been in seasons of life where we thought we could have what ought not be on the inside. We could have it there and we could get away with it. We could have it there and there would be no consequences. I know people that thought that. I know people that thought that. And their life has been shipwrecked. I can think of people that I went to seminary with or people that I taught when I was teaching in Bible college, young people, and they're in jail. They're in jail. You say, why? Because there were things on the inside that ought not to have been there and they never addressed it. And they thought that they could keep the rottenness hidden. They thought that they could keep the the spiritual cancer that was in them. They felt like they could keep that hidden and they could continue to go on and no one would find out. But you know what? Someone found out. Why? Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And from the words that come out, eventually they turn into action. Be sure your sin will find you out, the Old Testament writer adds. And so it's dangerous to let this thing go. It's dangerous to let this thing go. I don't know if you've ever been told that you had a problem with one of your teeth and that they wanted to pull the tooth. How many of you were ever told that? They had a problem with one of your teeth and they want to pull the tooth. What happens if you just let it go? I don't want to deal with having to go to the dentist and get that tooth pulled. I don't want to deal with the pain of getting my tooth pulled. I don't want to go with the pain of having to pay to get my tooth pulled. I don't like the sound of the drill. I don't want to feel him grab on. I don't want this little pinch of the shot in my mouth. I don't want any of that. So I'm just not going to deal with it. Tell me, what's going to happen? The next tooth gets rotten. And what, what happens with the pain? Yeah, the pain of what it would take to get the tooth fixed, nothing compared to the pain of what happens if you let that thing keep going. And then you're talking about something much more serious. You see, if you deal with the rottenness, with the problem when it's small, that is much better, as painful as it might be, than to keep letting it grow to the place where it brings ruin, to the place where it brings ruin. Whatever is in the heart will eventually come out. A couple of points for us to consider before we look through the things for this year. We all need to consider the state of our soul. I mentioned this morning about having a soul that's threadbare. I don't know much about cars, but I know that if the frame of your car is rotten, that's dangerous. Jim, what would happen with a really rotten frame in a car? Probably fall apart. Why? Because it's rotten. But what's the big deal? It's just the frame, right? It's not the engine. It supports everything else, right? It supports everything else. And if our inner life, the spiritual reality of how we live and what we believe, if that is not intact, everything else is connected to it and everything else will fall apart if it's not healthy. Here's the other part of it. If it is healthy, everything is supported by it. Every other thing in our life is supported by having a solid spiritual foundation. All of our relationships are made better. Most certainly our relationship with God is made better, but all of our human relationships are made better. Our ability to deal with disappointment and stress and crisis, to make decisions when we come to crossroads, all of those things, the challenges that we face, they are all supported by the state of our soul. But we are so busy And we are so focused on so many other things that we rarely look at the state of our soul. It would be like having a rotten frame in your car and continuing to drive it until everything falls apart because I don't have time to take it to the shop. Well, you're about to have time because you're not going to go anywhere once that falls apart. And I have to tell you, you can't just trade it in for a new one. Either you fix it or you don't have the support for the rest of your life. How healthy are you spiritually? This morning we talked about a passage where John, the apostle, was speaking to a man that was a dear, dear friend of him named Gaius, 
And he, he said, I wish that your health was as good as your soul's health. I wish your physical body was as healthy as your soul's body was, because I know your soul is prospering, and it, it doesn't sound like your body is prospering. What if you and I were to have our, the health of our soul flipped with the health of our body? Would we be able to walk out of here tonight? How, how many of us would have to call EMS? Because we'd be in dire straits. You say, why? Because we're bad people? No, we're just busy people. And we focused so much on the things of this world that we don't consider the things of the world to come. It's so easy. You know what? I have, I have a love-hate relationship with technology. Lately, it's been more hate than love. You know what? We used to leave, and I know this is going to blow your mind, young people, we used to leave the house and there was no way for anybody to contact us. There was no phone in our pocket. I mean, you could even go back before there were beepers. I remember when my dad got a car phone. Man, that thing was huge. It was like mounted in between the seats. It was enormous, and I saw that because he was always traveling for work, and so he had a car phone, and I thought, wow, that's impressive, right? Back in the 1900s. That's my new catchphrase. Can you imagine no one being able to... Parents, can you imagine not being able to call your children and ask them, where are you and when are you coming home? Now, how many of you have been somewhere where there was no cell phone reception? And after initially freaking out for a moment, you realized, hey, it's not making any noises. No one's called me. No one's interrupted me. I haven't checked my social media. I haven't checked my email. I haven't checked eBay. I haven't been on Amazon. I didn't look for anything on whatever platform you might talk about. And all of a sudden, you start looking around. And you're like, did you know that there's birds in these trees? Did you know that clouds actually, they kind of look like things? Did you know that you could read a book that's actually on paper? I know it, I'm being facetious, but we've almost forgotten how to live. Our souls, we, we live too fast for our own souls. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, the health and the screens and the technology. But if your soul is tired and worn and threadbare, then it's time to slow down everything else and work on it because it is holding everything else up. Second of all, let's test the tree by its fruit. Let's test the tree by its fruit. Don't let the looks of the tree deceive you. The fruit tells us what's going on on the inside. And so this isn't for us to sit there and judge everybody, but when you're asking the question, should I date that person? Well, what's the fruit? What's the fruit in that person's life? You might say, do, do I want my kids to spend time with that person? Are my kids themselves doing okay? Ask the question, what is the fruit that's coming out? Do I want to join up with these people in a business venture or at a job? Do I want to be a part of this ministry? Ask yourself the question, what, what is the fruit? Because it's going to lead you to understand things that you might otherwise not see. Because the rotten fruit doesn't come from a healthy tree. I think that's one of the hardest things for young people to understand is they give their heart to somebody and they're unable to see the state of the fruit. They, they refuse to look and see that it's rotten. Oh, it's not that bad. It's just a few worms in there. Everybody's got a few worms in their fruit. It's just rotten on one side. You can just cut around that. It's not a big deal. Well, rot doesn't tend to stop. It continues. And we have to be so careful. And you say, do I really want to associate my life with that person? Well, what is, what is coming out? It tells us what's going on on the inside. And then we have to ask ourselves, what is our life producing? What kind of fruit are we producing? Is it contention? Fighting? Anxiety? Is it always about angriness and bitterness and yelling and lying and manipulation and gossip? Is that what's coming out of us? If it is, probably something deep down needs to be addressed. Because that's not just a problem with your tongue. That's a problem with our heart. That's just not a problem with your eyes and, and what you've been looking at. That's, that's a problem with your, with your heart. And so we test the tree by its fruit. Lastly, let's store up good treasure. Let's store up good treasure. If what's on the inside eventually works its way out, here's a way for you to change. 
Here's a way for me to change this year. You want to produce good fruit in your life? You want more love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? You want to see other people saved through your life? You want to see other people discipled and encouraged through your life? Here is, here is a hack for that. If you put good things in, good things will come out. You're like, wow, did you go to college to learn that? <laughs> it seems so simple, but how often are we not putting in the right things? How often are we saying, tree, grow, what's wrong with you? But it's in the shade and it gets no sun. Tree, grow, but it's in the most unhealthy soil you can imagine. There's termites all inside of it and they're eating it alive. Or it's in the sun at the wrong time of day and it's scorched and it's ruined. But we do that not to trees, but to ourselves. We put the wrong things in and then we wonder why do the wrong things come out? Or we fail to put the good things in and we wonder why aren't we producing good fruit? How do you feed your soul? This is an actual question. How do you feed your soul? How do you give it the good things? What are the good things? What are they? Chris? The Bible. Absolutely. How else do you feed your soul the good stuff it needs? Songs. Good music. Yeah, Ron? Good friends. How else do you feed your soul the good things? Ben? Rest. Oh, that's a dirty word. That's a dirty word, isn't it? If you rest, there's something wrong with you. Clark? Praying. Praying. Absolutely. Jim? Spending time with God. What else? Yes, Gabby? Um, not looking at screens. Not looking at screens. Yep. I mean, you just stole my next sermon series. It's gone. So everyone, I'm just going to put by Gabby at the bottom of it when I preach it. How, how else? Yeah, Parker? Going to church. Yes, that is excellent. These are all ways that we feed our soul. Now, how do you poison your soul? How do you poison? Yeah, Sean? By sinning. Okay, let's, that's good. Let's, let's take that apart and get specific. How, how do you poison your soul when you sin or by sinning? What kind of stuff? Yeah, Chris? Okay, not reading the word. Yeah, Jim? Reading the wrong books, watching the wrong things on TV. Yeah, absolutely. Nancy? Being around the wrong people. Yep, giving them too much access to our hearts. Absolutely. Chris? That was your, okay. Yes, Chesney? Lying? Yeah, that'll do it. Anybody who hasn't gone yet? Yeah, Miss Sandy? Running from God. That's a good way to get in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah, Parker? It's good to obey your mom. Yeah, disobedience will poison your soul when you don't do it. Larry, did you have your hand? Gambling. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen this much stuff for gambling in a long time. The advertising is wild. And remember, if you're, if you're a Baptist person, you don't gamble within 50 miles of home. So just remember, no. Don't do it at all. Yeah. What's that? Avoiding fellowship with fellow believers. Yeah. Isolating yourself, for sure, is a good way to poison your soul. And so, if this is true, then we're going to have to begin at, at the soul level. And that's what a lot of this year is going to be about. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the mouth, excuse me, of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll go into a few of the things this evening that are going to happen this year, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for all that we see in it about being the right kind of people by putting the right kind of things in and seeing the right kind of things come out. Father, help us to feed our souls. Help us to, to starve the weeds in our souls, not feed those. Help us to stay away from the poison that is so readily available that we don't even realize is affecting us. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I want in 2023 for all of us to take an inventory of where we are internally, spiritually. I want us to all have truth in, as the, the psalmist says, in our inward parts, right? At, at the depth of where we are. And to find the things that are rotten that ought not be there and to give those over to the Lord that he might care for them. I want us to pay attention to the state of our souls and I want us to place that priority on becoming right on the inside and not only on the outside. And so that is going to mean a number of different things, either to start or to grow our personal time with the Lord. And that is, we'll talk specifically about that in a little bit, but I want us to to really emphasize that. I don't know another way that a believer becomes strong if he doesn't or she doesn't spend time with the Lord. I just, I don't think there's any way around it. I don't think I've ever met a strong believer that didn't read the Bible. I've never met a strong believer that, that didn't pray. And so we want to do these things. Did you know that I don't know whether or not you read your Bible or pray? I haven't, I haven't hacked into your cell phone to see through your camera whether you're reading your Bible or praying. I haven't done any of that. So I don't know that there's a bunch of people not spending time with God, but I have a guess that all of us would like to take ground in it. I have a guess that all of us would at least like the fruit that comes from doing it. Even if right now we think, ah, I don't know if I can make time for it. We most certainly can. I want us to identify those deficiencies in our spiritual health and replenish them. So with that in mind, uh, ushers, would you go ahead and hand out another one of these to everybody? I know you got one this morning, but unless you kept it with you, I'd like you to have it in front of you. So if you already have it, you can wave our kind ushers off. But I'd like everyone to have it. Plus, I fixed the date. Mission conference was two weeks long, which is awesome. But that was not actually the plan, and we haven't invited anyone for all those days. So that could be a problem. So I fixed that. Thank you to whoever mentioned that to me. Chris, was that you? I don't know. Someone mentioned it to me. I, you caught it, yeah. No, Dave Versillo Sr. didn't. He normally helps me with all of that. First of all, one of the things that's coming up in our special meetings as we look through this is Good News Club. So Good News Club is a public school Bible club, and we were unable to get it going in the fall. The person who normally is our staff sponsor for that, her name is Jennifer Meng, she was moved between schools. And so now she's at, if I'm not mistaken, she's at Pine now. And so now our club is going to be there instead of at Chestnut. Lord willing, the door will open again for us to have a club at Chestnut, but we're going to have a six-week club, which is how they do their sessions, going from March and into April. So beginning on that first Wednesday in March and meeting then, if you want to be a part of it, I would love to have you. Because next year, Lord willing, we're going to be in more schools. One of these days, all of our elementary schools in North Olmsted will be in one giant mega school, apparently. Right? And when that happens, we'll only have to have a Bible club in one school to reach all of the young children that come through the schools in our city. But until that happens, at Chestnut, um, at Pine, and Maple, we still, in, in Birch, I think for a little while... We, we still need to get the gospel there, and we need people trained, and we already have a door in, and, and the principal from Maple is now at Pine, and same thing with our staff sponsor, and they love what's been going on. They, they love it. And so if you want to be a part of it, there is a, a quick training from Child Evangelism Fellowship that's actually this week. We just found out about it. If you cannot make that because it's short notice, still sign up on the involvement board and say, I'm interested in that, and we'll see what we can't do about getting a date in February. Everybody who serves in a good news club has to go through the training because that's one of the ways we get into these public schools is through that umbrella of good news club that's already been approved, right? There's already a track record, and so instead of us starting things ourselves, we're able to go right in and to preach and teach the Bible. We're literally in the public schools preaching the Bible and telling kids how to get saved. It's amazing. And they give us their rooms to do it. Ben? So this is actually, I will, if you want to know more details on it, it's in Middleburg Heights. And so it's not here. It's in Middleburg Heights. I'll get you the address to it. There's a sign-up sheet on the involvement board. 
and anybody that signs up, I'll make sure that you get information on where this training is. And so it's Thursday evening and then Saturday during the day. Okay, so that's coming up. Then we have our spring revival with Brother Scott Hooks coming back and his wife Melanie and Dave and Gail Washington will be back with us towards the end of April. And so I hope that you will mark this on your calendars so that you can do all that you can to move your schedule, work schedule to be here with us. And we're praying for that. I just talked with him the other day. He's looking forward to being with us. And they have a lot going on right now. They bought a strip mall with a large building in it in order to move the, either the church or the college over there. And there is a holdout of a Chinese restaurant. It's like the Golden Kitchen or something like that. And the guy who's there um, has a lease with an opportunity to renew. And so there's all this legal stuff going on and they're trying to just... And this man doesn't want to continue working, but he wants them to buy out his Chinese restaurant. But they're not in the business of running Chinese restaurants. So pray for Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina and Brother Hooks. I know that he will greatly appreciate. Pray that that Chinese restaurant of its own accord will close so that they can move everything in there that they need to. Something that's very exciting is the youth have a mission trip this year. Every few years, we try and arrange for the youth to go on a mission trip. This year, they are going to Atlanta to a church plant, City Baptist Church. Something that happened throughout the last several decades is that every good Bible-believing church inside what they call the loop, I don't know exactly what that means, but all of them, in what you would consider the city part of Atlanta, all of the independent Baptist churches fled. They all left the urban area because they, they felt like our constituents don't want to be there, and so they're all outside of it. And God led some friends of ours, Mark and Katie McElreath, they were missionaries in Ethiopia until her diagnosis of MS brought her back to the States. They're absolutely wonderful people. She is doing so well now, it practically doesn't in interfere with her life at all. God has done a miraculous work there. They have started City Baptist Church, and they started in another church building, and that church building was upset that they were growing faster than that church was, and so they booted them out, and they are now leasing for a very modest amount a $4 million property right across from uh, Georgia Tech. Literally, there's a crosswalk from their property onto campus. Can you imagine the opportunity? And so our young people will be preparing to run a vacation Bible school. It's still a small church. It's relatively new. They don't have the wherewithal to do that. So we're going to prepare and plan. And then people from our church, teens and adults, will be going down there in order to conduct that vacation Bible school and to see lots of young people reach with the gospel. It is going to be a wonderful experience. And I have a feeling they'll get to see some of the sites around Atlanta as well. I think there's, there's some fun things associated with that. More information to come. Our Vacation Bible School is going to be the 17th through the 21st in July. It's going to be Keepers of the Kingdom. Can you go ahead and play that video? Light. Darkness. Good. Evil. Truth, lies. We are engaged in an epic battle between two spiritual kingdoms for the hearts and minds of our youth. Every day our kids are bombarded with lies about who they are, who their creator is, what is right, and where their salvation comes from. But we are not meant to fight this battle alone. God, the ruler of the good kingdom, has given his kingdom keepers spiritual armor to wear. With this VBS, your kids will learn how they can be a part of God's kingdom through salvation in his son. And they will be equipped with the armor of God as they train to become keepers of the kingdom who stand strong in today's battle for truth. Huzzah! So we'll be focusing on the armor of God in our Vacation Bible School this year. I'm excited about that. More information to come on the first um, meeting for those of you that will be helping with it. We have a church picnic on the very Sunday after 
uh, Vacation Bible School, in which we'll have the morning services and then a meal together on the church property and an afternoon service, and we'll highlight everything that happened at VBS. And the idea is that the young people that came to VBS, their families will be invited to see all that they did, perhaps to hear them sing or recite memory verses, and we'll have an opportunity to fellowship with those parents in the community and to share the gospel with them. So we'll have that church picnic. Something new that we've not done, at least in memory, is we're going to have a prayer retreat. We're going to have a prayer retreat this summer. It's going to be August 4th through the 6th. And for those of you that know Brother D. Easter, he's going to be our guest preacher for that. Part of it will be on-site, but part of it will be off-site um, on, at the Miller Nature Preserve. They have a beautiful campus there, and it will allow us to spread out and pray if the weather's good in some beautiful places. And it's not just going to be teaching on prayer. It's actually going to be praying. And so it will be a, a limited number of seats. More information about that will come, but I'd like you to be praying that the Lord would use that. And then our World Mission Conference, October 25th through the 29th. So if yours says 19, or uh, yeah, 15 through the 29th, uh, you can be praying that whole time, but it doesn't actually start till the 25th. Some special projects. The, the first special project is this Bible reading and prayer journal. This is a prototype. This is something we were able to produce in-house relatively easily and quickly so that we could all start using it to find out what needs to be changed, what works, what doesn't work. Inside of it, you'll find a Bible reading schedule for you to make it through the entire Bible in one year. And so all of that is divided up by what you should read each day of the month. And you can check that off as you go. If you miss a day, you have my permission. I give thee a dispensation to just start on whatever day it is and keep on going. It's not so much that you get everything, but that you and I develop the habit of being consistently in God's word. So if you miss a day and you can catch up, great. But if you miss five days, don't quit because you think there's no way I can catch up reading five days. It also has helps for us to pray inside of it. Things that we pray for daily, and then a division of things that we pray for once a week, certain things on Monday, like extended family, certain things on Tuesday, like our friends, Wednesday missionaries, and so on. It also has something inside of it for who we're going to serve. Five people or families that we're praying for and how we can actively serve them. This is designed to be updated every quarter. So if yours gets coffee spilled on it, don't worry. If you have to erase stuff, cross stuff out, not a problem. Every quarter, the idea is that you will get a new one and you'll be able to update all of the things from the old journal to the new one to see if the same prayer requests need to be brought over. The whole Bible reading schedule is inside of it, so there's no worry there. And we want to find out if there's anything different that we should change about it. Typos, of course, but maybe you say, I've got a great idea of what should be in here. Or you say, I didn't really use something. And we'll collect some feedback, and Lord willing, by the end of this year, and we're not trying to make anything to market. This is just for our church at the moment. We want to try and create a more durable version of this because this is just normal paper right now. And if, it's anything, if your life is anything like my life, this is going to get eaten up uh, through, hopefully, use. There might be issues with it. Okay? So if you don't have one of these, you'll find them in some of the different displays around the church and you'll also find them here on the Lord's Supper table, and we'll make sure that this is available to you. This is a tool. If you've got something that's working for you, fantastic. Keep doing it. But if you don't have a Bible reading plan, if you don't have an organized way of praying, use this and begin, uh, begin today. Begin today. I had somebody come up to me this morning, and they were so excited. They're like, I've read every day. I'm on track. I even read today. They said it's Sunday and they were so thrilled that they were reading the Bible and they were shocked. They're like, I'm actually reading the Bible. That was one of the most exciting things that I have been told in a while. So I hope that you'll do that. We're going to have Bible reading accountability groups, uh, Bible reading accountability groups. What's that? If you're anything like me, when someone asks you if you did something, you're much more likely to do it because you know someone's going to ask. Right? I know that I could learn to play an instrument on my own, but having a lesson each week where I meet with a teacher that's going to ask me if I practiced makes me practice when otherwise I might not do so. And in the same way, if you're trying to develop this habit of staying faithful in God's word, maybe you are reading, but you would love to, to know what other people are reading. Maybe you have 
been given by God a very stable devotional life, and you want to share it with someone else by being a leader in one of these groups. It'll just be small, between three and five people. There'll be several of them. And the idea is that you keep up with one another throughout the week. How is your Bible reading going? What, how has God been speaking to you? So that you have people that are asking you. You're inviting the people into your life to be nosy so that you actually follow through and read. So we're going to be doing some of that. It'll be, of course, a volunteer thing. If you're interested in being a part of one of those groups, either as a member or as a leader of it, there's a sign-up sheet on the involvement board. I'm going to make sure that I'm in one of those groups as well. And I don't think I'm going to be the leader in it because I want somebody else to do that, but I want to be a part of it as well. Phone fasts. Phone fasts. I want us, at least twice this year, to make a concentrated effort for a month, for a month, to spend as little time as possible on our phones. Only what absolutely must be done. And it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be very hard. You say, why would we fast from our phone? Well, if you were to look in the settings on your phone, it would tell you the average number of hours a day that you spend on it. For some people, an hour. For some of you, over 10. And I'm not making that up. And you say, I never hear from God. I have all sorts of trouble with my faith. Well, 10 hours of whatever you're finding on your phone probably falls under the category of poisoning your soul. Probably. Now, you might be on there watching nothing but my sermons on YouTube. It's possible. Some of you laughed. I don't know why you laughed. But chances are you're not. Maybe you're watching, uh, maybe you're watching Brother Hooks or listening to Brother Paulie or all the people that have been through here. But chances are we are spending more time on screens. And if it's not your phone, it's the television. If it's not the television, it's a tablet. I want us to create silence. Disconnection with the world so that we can connect with God. There's going to be rules for it. People will sign up and we'll see how many people can stay on the path while we do this. The idea is to keep your phone in your sock drawer as much as possible throughout a month. And I want you to notice the difference. And then at the end of that month, we're going to ask some very hard questions. Like, do we really want to go back to how things were? I have a feeling that many of us will enjoy what we found creating that margin to spend time with the Lord and with our family. Some of you are going to do something that's just outlandish with your time. For once, you're going to get enough sleep. All sorts of things could happen. All sorts of things could happen. Care teams. Care teams. We talked about this at the end of last year, but I really want to see this happen. Uh, Lord willing, the deacons will help me with that. I want to make sure that we are doing what we can. We understand that when it comes to caring for the soul, it's mostly between a person and the Lord, but there's always encouragement from others. And there's lots of people in our church that go through hardships and they are ministered to when people are visiting them. And this is already going on with some of our folks taking the initiative to visit those that need them, but I'd love to see it organized so that nobody falls through the cracks. So if you have an interest in visiting people, maybe somebody um, once a week, or perhaps making a phone call or writing notes, things like that if you can't get out. I'd love us to put together a number of care teams and have them have a list that they're working through so that everybody in our church that's going through a challenging time, and I don't know who doesn't fall into that, but everybody that's going through things, that they will know that their church is praying for them and that we will try and help care for their souls as well. King David, at a very low point in his life, said, I looked to the left of me and I looked to the right of me and there was no man who cared for my soul. Isn't that a sad place to be? To feel like nobody cares? And I would love to be with everybody every week. I really would. But there's more people than I can be with. And some of you have a gift for this. And so if you want to know more about being on a care team... Uh, this isn't signing you up for something for life, but if you want more information about it or you're already doing this on your own, there's a sign-up sheet on the involvement board. We just want to make sure that everybody is coordinated with that. 
and you'll be hearing from our deacons with more information. And then the last thing is just absolutely crazy, but we're going to do it, is 24-hour prayer vigils where we are going to sign up for an hour. And we are going to try and fill a 24-hour block of time before the special meetings this year in our church. So I, I want to have a 24-hour prayer vigil before our spring revival. I'd like to have it before our young people go on this mission trip. And I'd like to have it before mission conference. And so what that would look like, let's say it starts at 5 p.m. Somebody would volunteer to come into the church and pray from 5 to 6. And then somebody else would be signed up to pray from 6 to 7. And then somebody else, 7 to 8, and 8 to 9. Some of you will be asked to sign up and pray between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Or 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. And we will know that throughout that whole 24 hours, we will be bathing our church in prayer. We're going to be collecting prayer requests beforehand so that you know what you should actually be praying for for all of that time. And we'll have some instruction on that as time goes on. I would love to see what God will do in these special meetings when we prepare for them with such dedicated prayer. I think they'll be the best meetings we've ever had. I really do. Because our hearts will be ready and we'll have asked the Lord to work. There'll be other things going on. Of course, homecoming days, we're looking forward to that. Lord willing, assuming that they have it this year. Uh, there will be outreach efforts as the weather changes. There will be uh, exciting Sunday school activities. The youth group will keep doing many things and some of the other Sunday school classes. But these are the major things I wanted to emphasize. If you have an idea of something that you think would help our people grow in their own spiritual walk with God, in their own inner life, I'd love to hear your ideas. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And who knows, maybe the Lord will allow us to work things out. But this year, we're going to work on the inner man, the inner life, the, the state of our souls. And may God bless us as we grow in it to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the working of your spirit. We thank you for the great people that you brought across our path. We pray for Brother Hooks and his dear wife, for the Washingtons. We pray for Brother Easter. Uh, we pray for the missionaries that will be with us during the months ahead and also during our World Mission Conference. We pray for our young people and for Josh and Chelsea as they lead this effort, uh, this mission trip to help this church plant. We pray for the McElreaths that you would bless and help us to be a great help to them. Lord, do only what could be described as miraculous work so that you would be glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember to pray for Marion Wojnarowski this week. He's got, a, he's got a tough situation ahead of him. For those of you that don't, haven't heard, he has cancer in his bone marrow, had a heart attack while he was in the hospital, dealing with pneumonia, supposed to have started chemo, and um, it's the kind of thing that, Lord willing, will give him more time.